Looking for a tabletop role-playing game that is easy enough for newbies, but has the deep campaign tools for even the most seasoned adventurers? Then check out Emberwind, the most fun you'll have questing with your friends, period. To start, head to emberwindgame.com and pick up a campaign book, which includes everything you need to start your quest, including pre-made heroes for you and your friends. Use the promo code HAPPYZEN at checkout to get a 10% discount off your entire order. And now, on to the show. Some said they couldn't do it. Even more said they probably shouldn't. But here they are, bringing you another episode of the Happy Zen Podcast. Welcome your hosts, Adam and Matt. Yeah, so now we're recording. So if you have to vent about anything related to your job, you may want to keep that to yourself. Dun, nah, dun, dun. it's not my job. It's just people. <laughs> my job's fantastic. You put people okay. in. People oh, are geez. the worst. Yeah. You know, everyone's job would be amazing if it wasn't for people. It's true. This job would see? be great, except for the customers. Yeah, see, there's always a peop- people. It's the weak link, right? It is the weak link. You're very right. AI will win. I'm trying to <laughs> get my. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> what? We were having this conversation the other day. Have you realized that um, my kids are 15 and 13, mm-hmm. and they are probably going to be part of the last generation that will have to learn to drive? The kids that will come behind them will not be required to actually Fair. drive the vehicle. Fair. I, don't, I, I heard Musk say today that it's it's actually much harder than he thought it was going to be to get self-driving cars. Well, if you look at the components that already exist and the stuff they already do, you know, big chunks of the vehicle already do a lot, right? So the high-end vehicles, the Cadillacs will drive themselves to a certain degree. Tesla drives themselves almost virtually on their own. Yeah. Hyundai has all those features now that basically are like 30% of, you know, that takes the moron gene out for people, right? Like when you you can't stay on the white lines, the car keeps you there. Someone comes up behind you quickly, it speeds you up and slows you down accordingly. So, you know, they're eradicating things like the moron gene in driving. So we're getting there. It's not far away. You think they've done that probably in like six, seven years. So push yeah. out, push out another 10, 15. Where, what are you going to look like? Jeez. So you're again, wait, are you for it or are you against it? All for it, right? The less people we have making decisions about things, the better we're going to be, right? I mean, we can, we can talk about COVID, right? Like it's, 100%, it's 100% the same thing, right? Watching people lick each other's faces going, oh, like, we're, we're there, aren't we? No, not even close. Not even close. Just stick to the handrails, people. Stick Is to the handrails. Better or worse than the people that are eating meals out of toilets? <laughs> they have other issues. They have other issues. Not, that's not just, you know, them and their health and hygiene issues, right? Those are yeah. clearly other issues. There's a lot happening there to yeah, eat out yeah. of a toilet. Yeah. Those are TikTok millionaires. I don't know. That might How be the best thing How does that even doing. work? I don't understand that. Wait, that's a whole other conversation. Wait, see, I refuse to go on TikTok. Oh, I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> I don't want to be, but I'm on it. I don't do anything on it, but I'm on it. I was going to say, are you TikToking or whatever it's called? No. Absolutely not. Not even in the slightest. But I watch TikToks and I don't get it. I really don't get it. I'm clearly of that age that shouldn't be on TikTok because I don't get it. My kids don't like it. They put it on. They think it's dumb. Really? Yeah. Well, people are dumb. Like, like well, they said, like, if you could, they said you, 
Instagram, you could dress up the dumb a little bit. This one doesn't yes. really, apparently this doesn't hide it, right? Like you, it's just instantaneous. There it is. And they, and like they said, it's a, uh, you know, social media already puts the worst on display. TikTok just is like the cream of the crop of the worst. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh, okay, well, that's a good selling feature for me to not even try it. So that's <laughs> as far as I've gotten. You should try it one day though. It is a TikTok, oh. I won't lie. I have no idea how to make a proper segue from this into <laughs> our topic today. So there's not, I'm there's just not, I wish not was. none of this happened and uh, start fresh. Yeah. So TikTok. Talk about TikTok. Okay, You're sorry. listening yeah. to the TikTok Zen podcast. Uh, no. Uh, happy Zen podcast. We are back with uh, a friend of the show, a past guest. Uh, Katie Epp is with us, who is going to talk to us about something that she has been wanting to talk to us about for so long. And we hadn't worked out the details, but we've, we've got it down somewhat. She's a huge Disney fan, perhaps uh, a specific category of Disney. We will uh, maybe get into that a little bit more as we go along. But Katie decided to give us some homework. Sure for did. some reason, watching six films became two months worth of work for some of us, most of myself. Yeah, I was going to say, whose problem was that? Because I, I at least had a box checked off where five of these um, five of these six I had watched. I had seen one. So yeah, what, that is that's surprising to me. I'm shocked by that fact. I'm well, not. He doesn't like like good things. <laughs> Fast, having, the, Fast and the Furious. That's all I gotta say. We're not having this. We're not having this conversation. This isn't happening. I'm already having flashbacks. To the last time we had Katie on the show, you guys ganged up on me, and I said some stupid things, and I was made fun of. And I'm it glad is all coming back to me now too. Neither of you remember it, so that's how it's gonna stay. So, exactly. uh, in basic terms, we looked at uh, animated Disney versus live action remakes in most cases, or live action sequel-ish sort of, I guess. How do you want to explain this, Katie? Uh, welcome to the show, I should say. And Thank you. How, how, how do we want to dive into this? <sighs> Jeez, from what angle do you really want to look at this? Because there's so many ways you can. <sighs> Really, I think the th it interests me these days because there's such an explosion of live action Disney movies these days. I feel like the vault is pretty empty. They're not really knowing what to do beyond Frozen. And maybe Moana, I'll throw that in there too. So all they're doing is just recycling the old stuff and trying to put like a new little sparkle on it. And I'm not here for it. I'm not here for it at all. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Throwing down the gauntlet already. Yeah, that's how I feel about it. Huh. But yeah. Before we get into this in, in too much detail, something that was a big thing, mostly in the, in the 90s uh, when we were growing up, you, you'd get like a big Disney movie would come out and then you'd get the direct to, D, or direct to VHS uh, sequels. Uh, just about every movie that we talk about today, most of the Disney movies have some form of a directed uh, VHS sequel. Uh, I think Aladdin's got a couple. Mulan's got one. I don't know about Sleeping Beauty, um, but there was definitely a lot. Uh, how do you feel about those? Did, did you watch any of those or are you just strictly the original and that was it? Um, I want to say that I'm a purist and only watch the original. I definitely watched the sequels. I was all about the straight to DVD. Uh, Return of Jafar is a great movie, yeah. <laughs> in my okay. opinion. Um 
but again, I'm kind of picky about it. I feel like once the Disney princesses have a baby and then that's the sequel, I'm also not for it okay. for some reason. I don't need to see the next generation. I want to live it through my generation. I don't care about your baby. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. That's I immediately great. saw, you know, like you see those, um, the, the, the review lines that get put on the front of a DVD or a movie poster. I yeah. just see Katie's, I don't want your baby. I don't care about your baby. Yeah. I wish you could see my head gesture in that one. <laughs> yeah. One out of five <laughs> stars. One out of five stars. I don't care about your baby. I don't care. See, the head bob was exactly how you thought it probably looked. Yeah. It is. Well, well let's, um, I guess let's go somewhat chronological order here. And why don't we look at uh, Sleeping Beauty and its pairing with uh, Maleficent. I'll let, uh, I'll let you start first, Katie, your thoughts on these films and, and how they compare. For sure. I'm slightly biased. I did my undergrad thesis on Sleeping Beauty. So I have a lot that I could say about Sleeping Beauty, but I won't. I digress. I won't. There's something about, for me, it's the beauty of how it's drawn. Sleeping Beauty is gorgeous. The story, it can be a little boring. I'm not going to lie, especially upon rewatch as an adult. Like, there's not a lot that would really hook you in story-wise. It's not super exciting to watch her, like, play around in the woods until she's 18 and then get her finger pricked like we all expect to happen. But you're mesmerized because it's beautiful. Like, it is probably, to this day, probably my favorite Disney movie. It's he's And he's also my favorite artist. Like, Ivan Earl is incredible. If I had the money, I would buy some of his work. It's just beautiful. So you know the who the actual artist is for the the film? Sure do. Did. Oh, that's that's I, I appreciate that. It, what other do you know? Any other films that would have the same art or artist or something similar? They did. It's really hard with that one because Sleeping Beauty was a rare film in the sense that they drew the characters based on the the background artwork, which is not what they typically do. Like they start with your characters and then obviously you fill in your background afterwards. Ivan Earl was brought in specifically for the background. He took a lot from medieval artwork. He took a lot from Turkish medieval manuscripts and built that entire background. And then the artist then later filled in the characters to suit his background. So really, even the coloring, like you'll notice that like Aurora isn't very bright, especially compared to other princesses. She's quite muted. And that really is because she's there to kind of fit the background, which again, I think is not quite incredible thing for Disney to do to focus so much on the artwork. Mm -hmm. Um, I know Ivan's done other work and I'm not going to miss remember which other pieces he has done, but I just know it's, it's such a rare bird compared to the other Disney films because there was so much emphasis on the artwork and what was done. So, uh, Adam, what, what do you think? Why don't we just look at the sleeping beauty to start with? What are your thoughts on, on it? I, did you watch it with your kids or had you watched it when you were younger? Oh, let me go. Watched it when I was younger, watched it with the kids. And I even actually went out of my way to rewatch this one for this conversation. Maleficent, we, I had seen so many times with the kids that, completely fresh but this this i want to go back and watch it again and actually the point you just made about um the princess not um saying a lot like i mean what was it like there's like i i couldn't get over how long through i thought it was like bambi like she went a really long time not talking and, and there's you know what after watching the other five films 
that's all right. It actually really worked. Like, and I didn't watch this first. I watched this at, at the end of the pile. Think, like, you know what? I will grab this again. And there's a lot of magic to all that. And so I appreciate all your comments. I, I definitely second them all. It came from a magical time of how they were doing their work. So where I struggle is when we're going to compare this to live, right? And I mean, I think there's, I, I have a bias where I kind of like the stuff they're doing with live. And the reason, and the reason I like that is we grew up in a generation of watching a lot of cartoons and we're getting to witness them become live. So think of the Ninja Turtles back in the nineties. Think of even to a degree, you know, Transformers today. Um, and just, I can go through like this, even He-Man, which we could argue when Masters of the Universe was great or not, but it was just a live adaptation of a cartoon that probably shouldn't have got the time of day, but we all loved to, to watch it. So there's something of a novelty um, I share with animation coming to life. And if it can be done well, my view isn't about whether it needs to be done. It's can they upgrade without losing my story? So mm. the story that hooked me, can they give me it in live the best possible way and still have me enjoy it? And I get upset when they start changing a lot so for me it's like if you're gonna do it do it right don't don't try to make a new story so the closer you can get it to the the jungle book the lion king great examples right and i was actually surprised you didn't bring either one of those two up for the live and i'm wondering is because they stuck true to the purest form made it a little bit harder to critique them and these other ones gave us a little more flexibility so i think that was just smart planning on your behalf um in terms of sleeping beauty though i mean it's a classic it's it's one of the best films i think they've ever done it's wasn't the first. Everyone seems to feel like it's the first, but it's not even close, right? It's like, what, 20, 30 years off from the first. Um, so, no, I, I think it does have lots of uh, classic to it. It's hard because the story has been woven into so much of pop culture in, in terms of, like, storytelling. It's parts of this story are is always borrowed and used in a lot of ways. Uh, look at Shrek. Like, they play on it right through the first two films on Love's, you know, Love's what first kiss or whatever that stuff like they play on all that stuff right mm -hmm. so uh i just think there's elements of it yeah you can talk about predictability when you rewatch it um and i think maybe that actually should be celebrated because if the impact it clearly had on so much other film and television particularly for children uh, and for animation and stuff so so maybe that's just a bit playing like a bit of a homage to it that it's a classic it's like a found, foundational linchpin to a lot of storytelling and it's like they call back on it like a Charles Dickens type comic type of conversation where people are always going back into things. See, I, I, uh, this is one I hadn't seen. Uh, so I was obviously going into this much, obviously much later than it came out and also much later than most people watch it. So a lot of my notes were a lot of questions that looking at it from a 2021 20, viewpoint, it's, uh, hmm. <laughs> It's horrible. You, you really can't. Cause I've got things like, uh, mm, she's, uh, 16 maybe when she's supposed to be getting married to this guy who is obviously much older than her. And it's prearranged of course. Of course. Uh, but what I will say, um, the same thing visually there's a lot of really interesting tricks with like depth and and layers and a lot of neat um styles of animation that are used and then i didn't know about the the live action storybook uh intro uh, at the beginning which is kind of an, a neat way of doing that but yeah i mean oh and the castle the maleficent's castle and i was telling katie this before we recorded that 
um, it's almost like a hammer horror film that the Gothic castle look, I really liked the, the, the creepiness to it, her goons and, and, and the animals around her. The other thing I noticed, which you see here and probably see somewhat in Snow White before it is you really can see that early Disney look in the animals and the faces and how they kind of carried that style forward uh, with different tweaks, obviously, but it's interesting where you can kind of see the pieces being built. My notes kind of, yeah, like it was shorter than I was expecting. It was, I wasn't a huge fan on the music myself personally. The characters are not that fleshed out necessarily. Now, do they need to be? I don't know. There was a lot of kind of somewhat, what would be deemed maybe gross things a little bit. Some of just the, the prearrangement stuff. But definitely, it's. Um, I think Maleficent comes across as the more interesting character for me before even seeing Maleficent. So I wasn't surprised they went that way. When I started watching Maleficent, I didn't know if it was going to be a prequel or, or just cover the same timeline. And we'll get into that, uh, obviously, a bit more. But yeah, this one was good. And I like the visual style of it. But as you said, too, it's a little bit not as exciting maybe and uh the characters aren't that fleshed out oh and prince philip is kind of just plain and i don't know i think his horse was more interesting to me (laughs) i'm glad at least he got a name like he's not just the prince at least he's prince philip they've upgraded him to a name yeah yeah you're Um, very right though but maleficent to this day is still my favorite villain and it's funny because as you said none of the characters are extensively developed by any Mm -hmm. means but there is something that resonates about maleficent to this day and i still find her and probably corella to be my absolute two favorite villains and i don't know if it's because of how they've drawn i don't know if it's the voice work i don't know if it's a mix of everything but she just is the pinnacle of villain to me and they've done that so well with her oh absolutely well uh let's move into actually maleficent itself now, how do you find it? Uh, and it is, again, not a direct comparison, but it's uh, sure. somewhat of a live action uh, version of, of Sleeping Beauty until we get a, a complete one. What would you think of that? Sure. I'll say that in terms of live action, personally, I'd rather do similar to what Adam said, like keep it exactly how it is or make it a very different story. I'll, I'll differ from him in the sense that I'd like it to be a very different story because it separates the two of them. So mm. I think out of all of them, Maleficent did this most successfully. Although it does have some of the similar storylines, obviously. We are in the same, as you said, timeline, whatever that is and whatever they're taking. Um, but it is very much a different story and you're looking at it from a different angle. And for that, I think it was really good. Um, it could stand alone from Sleeping Beauty, whereas I find some of the other ones today... They get lumped with the anima- animated film. You Like you think about, like we said earlier, you think about Lion King. You can think about both of them at the same time, whereas you can think about Sleeping Beauty and describe it in one way and think about Maleficent and describe it a very different way. Uh-huh. Uh, so I do like that it is a very different film. Um, I know we talked about this too. I do like that it's darker. But again, I think that's because I really enjoy Maleficent the villain. So I like that it was a darker film. But as we said, there's some things that are surprisingly dark in that movie that is a children's movie. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Uh, 
specifically, as I'm sure you're referencing the the scene where Maleficent. So, if somehow you haven't seen Maleficent, she is is she a fairy? Like, basically, is that yeah, yeah, uh, what she starts fairy, some sort of yeah. Yep. So she has these big wings. She can fly around. And uh, God, I'm getting kind of upset just thinking about it. So she 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 falls for, um, well, I guess and he falls for her technically. Yeah. Uh, what is later King Stefan in um, Sleeping Beauty. Here he's just a, a young, gross fellow. And uh, anyways, basically to win favor, he cuts her wings off after... I don't want to say roofing her, but he does something. But he drops to her. her for he drops sure. her of some sort. <laughs> yep. And, and then just cuts her wings off in her sleep and then leaves her there. And it was horrendous when I saw that. Yes. Yes. And then we realize that the wings are also alive. Yes. At the Oh, my God. At the end. And they've been like living in a cabinet alive and re- knowing that they're alive this whole time, which is also just as frightening. Yeah, it's it's messed up. And I think I, I texted you, like, after that scene, I was like, of course she... Like, how could you not be evil towards these people who yeah. drug you, someone who you thought was, like, your your love? Your, well, she thinks it's her, her true love. Mm-hmm. And then to essentially be... Let's just say she's assaulted. She's assaulted. That's basically yeah, what it is. Yeah, 100%. 100%. By somebody who... Like, my, my line literally says... Oh fuck! Did he just drug her? This got hella dark. That's that I, is exactly my, what you sent me. I was so good. Lord, he sawed off her wings. This is a nightmare. Of course, she went evil. Of course, like these are my three notes. Like, so it's it explains it. It does. Yeah. So it's oh god, my god. I, I will say. Of the live action ones, the I think the Maleficent one for me works the best as well, just because it isn't replacing the movie. It's it's sort of the um, I don't know if you if you um, as a kid ever read the um, the true story of the three little pigs, where it was the big bad wolf's uh, point of view of what happened. Yes, and how he was basically a victim of the whole thing. This is sort of that kind of idea where they mm-hmm. definitely play her off as more of a, a victim of circumstance and and what happened to her is why she's like the way she is. The only thing I noticed in this one that they tweaked a little bit, I think maybe you can correct me. So in Maleficent, when she does the spell on um, Aurora Mm -hmm. in the live action, it's Maleficent that is, they plead with her, please, please, please don't kill her. So she's the one that says, okay, fine, she'll, she can wake if she has true love's kiss. Where I believe in the animated version, it's the third of the fairy, fairy guardians that she's got that hadn't used her wish yet or her spell that makes it that. So again, it kind of gives her Maleficent this bit of, well, she's not evil per se. She, she left an out essentially. So, mm-hmm. well, plus she is the out in in the live action. That's true. Like yeah. they play a frozen spoiler moment alert. where spoiler alert, they play a frozen moment where it's, you know, it doesn't have to be a man to be the true love's kiss. Like it's Maleficent. It makes her a nicer person. Like you said, gives her a note question mark. Yeah. I think it, it works. Uh, it, it definitely changes the whole, it, it, 
if you treat it as canon to Sleeping Beauty, it obviously changes that movie entirely. Uh, Adam, what were your thoughts on the live action Maleficent and compared to the Sleeping Beauty as well? So I heard that someone said this was their favorite live action. Out of the three? Yep. Oh. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's good to know. Um, so this was not my favorite. Um, Sounds like a threat. And, and, I figured. And, no, but here's the thing. You know, there's a few factors. One, yes, it didn't try to stay true to the story, but I didn't expect that to because it's titled Maleficent, not Sleeping Beauty or Aurora. So I knew we were going to get a new angle. But this was incredibly predictable when, what, unfortunately, when you were trying to take a new angle. So you, you said you want to take a new angle, and then Disney mm-hmm. did Disney. So we got this huge, lovely backstory of this wonderful person. So we justified her evil existence. I don't want her evil existence justified. She was one of the best evil villains they've ever had. So she was terrifying as hell. So now you're like, oh, well, I can see her point of view. I don't want to see her point of view. I I don't want her to have a point of view. If they would have made this with no perspective, she was just evil from the onset. Like she just had like this wicked decrepit wood and she was just the villain from the get-go and then aurora's trying to be nice to her and they match the storyline kind of similar how they did the rest of it where maybe they she almost gets through soften a little bit and she loses her stuff and does everything to her that would make sense i didn't think you needed to retcon this whole she got a heart of gold that's why her kiss is the one that does it it's you, you made her soft she's no longer now mm-hmm. i'm down to um Ursula the Sea Witch, you know, I don't have Love Maleficent her. anymore. She's not she's not a threat, right? Mm-hmm. Wreck It Ralph can take care of her. Like if we were in this combat of world, like that, she's just nothing. It's nothing. She's she's lost all her power. It's gone. Right? Um what I did like though was they tried the best they could to get Aurora to still look somewhat childish in terms of like the age of a child to get married, holding to the true homage. That's the part they kept, like the 14 to 16-year-old Aurora, and they aimed the fame for that part again. So I did laugh when Matt was commenting about that with the cartoon. I'm like, yeah, it's the one thing they tried to hold on to, the inappropriate level age of the princess. Um, They didn't let that one go. Uh, and maybe that's where this part, like Maleficent was saving her from being violated because she's like, well, this is a whole problem. You are way too young for this stuff and no one else sees it. So I'm going to take care of this stuff. Sleep for a few years. Wake up when you're 21. Um, maybe that's where this was coming from. So I think they offered way too many alternatives to what they presented the character to be. I mean, but if I think of it from a standalone movie standpoint, and I don't try to compare it against Sleeping Beauty, it's actually pretty good on its own. Like on its own, it is a really good standalone film. If I know nothing about Sleeping Beauty or want to not reflect anything from the existing film, if I just say this, it's on its own, it's great. I actually didn't mind it. That's a, It's a good Disney film. But when you take it from the original content, I found frustration. Okay, I don't mind deviating a little bit. I, I should have clarified that earlier. I expect with live action, you're going to have to deviate every once in a while. Okay, there's things, and if you do it right, if you're thoughtful in how you do it, I think it can work. And I, I, I think that happened with one of our three films. I, I actually liked the live action. I like what they did. And, and there's only two other choices. And if anyone knows me, they probably already know the answer because it sure as hell ain't one of them. Um, so anyways, with that being said, uh, yeah, I, 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 it was a good film. But in the Disney vault, thinking of it being a Disney property, thinking of it being Aurora for the context here. No, not for me. So, so just so we're clear, your preference then is not new material, 
but no, it's reimagined it, existing material. I don't have a, I, I'm not going to say have a standalone preference. Don't blend the two. Pick a lane. So if you want to go new material, go new. Go new. Go new. Make Give us something really cool. Do something different. Use the same characters in a different way. Okay, that's fine. Just do it all in. Like, completely all in. Have Aurora be the one who cut the wings off Maleficent. Like, just go Jeez. somewhere. What movie are you making? Apparently a better one. Uh, just go somewhere, okay? But, but don't, like, okay, we'll borrow this one, but then we'll put this new thing in, see how it looks later, and then, oh, we better, like, hold on to this one, but no, we better not touch this. No, pick a lane. Or match it. And I could comment, like, Beauty of the Beast, which we didn't talk about. I thought Beauty of the Beast was pretty not bad in the sense that it tried. I know, but I think they tried to stay closer to the original. Yeah, it's killing Katie, right? We just lost yeah. Katie. She left. <laughs> it's killing And me. I also think Cinderella tried, right? They tried. Certain parts of it, they tried. I thought they tried better in those films than Maleficent. Okay. Because if they would have went Maleficent, they should have went a whole new lane. You're going to go with a new character being the center stage. You're going to give us a different backstory. I feel like if you're going to, or if you're going to, when you brush up, brush up accurately. So when they brushed up to the old story, made sure it stays in their lane. Stay in the accuracy of the lane. I know you're going to get new fight so, scenes. New so it's either it has to be absolutely different than the original or as close as possible to the original. Okay. You're saying this is too much of a half and a half? For me, for me. If you're going to, if you're going to, yeah, if you're going to try to pick that lane, I mean, there's a point where this movie completely intersected. Like we think Marvel timeline books, right? It, there's, a, there's a part where it intersected right into the old film. Well, stay that lane. It, it intersected at that point. Stay there. And instead, they gave us all these new little things along the way. It's like, are they trying to explain to us they messed with time because they gave us a new story we didn't need? So the, ultimately, it changed the story we get. Just saying. My God, you're thinking about this way more than I would have I'm, expected anybody to. But okay. I digested <laughs> a lot of Loki late at night the other night, and that was a bad idea. So just saying. I, I, I will point, um, I did like that they don't have essentially a prearranged marriage in this movie. Uh, it, as far as I recall, is it not somewhat more of a natural thing? Yes. I say ish. But then I also have Philip, again, barely knows Aurora. I know, time, I can't remember Philip so much in the live action. At least in this this one, his kiss isn't the one that you know works because you know true love isn't running into somebody in a river for five minutes. I don't know. And Aurora. singing a song about strangers? Stranger danger. Stranger danger. Uh, and then lastly, my other point I, I had here was these fairies are terrible. Uh, apparently Maleficent had to keep this child alive. Are you kidding me? Okay, well, that's fair. Okay. So I think we're going to have some differing opinions on this. I think we are. <laughs> I'm intrigued. So we're going to start with the movie that now if you watch on Disney+, Plus. Might be the only time I've ever seen, and maybe it's the first of many to come, a warning when you start the movie about cultural representation and treatment, which I was not stunned, but it was interesting. I'm actually surprised it didn't show up in another one of the movies that we watched as well. But whatever. Fair. Uh, Fair point made. I mean... Yeah, I mean, okay. So we're talking about Aladdin. And I will say, after I saw that warning, I immediately went to the IMDb and uh, noticed that, let me just see here. Uh, yes, almost entirely a white 
probably American cast, uh, rep, you know, so there's, there's some fairness to that. Obviously there's some stereotypes that were used in this film. This is the movie that out of all of them I had seen, and I've seen a lot. And what I realized watching this movie was almost every line of the movie is burned into my brain and it just kept coming back. Like every scene after every scene, I, I clearly watched it way more than I thought I had. Um, Oh, yeah, here's my here's my exact quote. Aladdin has zero accent. Uh, nor does Jasmine. Oh man, IMDb is just all white folks. Okay, so I was yeah. Uh, and I could be. I'm a little bit off on this. I I know, but I, I do think Aladdin was probably one of the first ones where getting that big celebrity as a as a as a voice in in a Disney movie was a big thing. I remember. Robin Williams uh, being the genie was like a huge, huge thing. Like it was, I remember all the kids. And then it probably became one of the most quotable characters um, for kids when that movie came out. This movie really made me miss Robin Williams like a lot. Like I forgot how good of a role he did, but it also made me forget that that role was almost a hundred percent designed for the parents of kids watching that movie in the nineties every reference in that would go right over every kid's head these days. I don't think there's anything like he was referencing like De Niro and Rodney Dangerfield and Jack Nicholson. Like these are all things that would just go right over kids heads. I think these days, but I, that's such a, it's such a killer role that it was, I don't, I don't envy uh, Will Smith having to, attempt to try to fill that role. It's just impossible. You're, you're going to do your own version and that's the best you can do, but that's such a, a huge hole that you're, that he's, that Robin Williams left uh, with that character. Uh, but other than that, I mean, I, I love the movie. I love that it was sort of the first real use of um, CG uh, in an animated movie. A lot of the cave wonder stuff is CG. I actually think the cave of wonders in the animated looks somehow strangely much better than the live action one, which whatever. Um, and my last note really here is I'm not usually much of a, a fan of, of musicals, but I love every song in this movie. And I get it could be because I saw it as a kid. It just doesn't feel like it drags on. It feels like it's like just the right length. I don't know. I love Aladdin. So Aladdin, I think probably too being a kid growing up in the nineties, as a boy, I mean, Disney for a lot of their movies and not saying that I couldn't enjoy them or, or boys couldn't enjoy them, but I do think for a while there, they were certainly directed more at, at little girls, a lot of the princess stuff and that. Whereas I think for me as a kid seeing Aladdin, it's like, oh, it's a boy character getting into, you know, all this stuff. So I think that's probably why I was drawn to uh, Aladdin at first uh, as a kid. So, Katie, what do you think? That's such a good point that you make about Aladdin being a male. Like, I'm trying to think back to all the, like, male Disney animated characters. And I know that there are probably tons, but, like, it's Aladdin that stands out to me. Yeah, I, I think, um, I guess, like, what, Robin Hood was sort of, I guess. and It's it's a gray area with him being a fox, I feel. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah, that's true, yeah. <laughs> We're not talking about animals, and yeah, yeah, okay. It's a gray area. I'm 100% with you, though, on the music. Like, 
every single song is incredible in Aladdin. Like everybody jokes, like, you know, there's those like boring, like secondary character songs Mm -hmm. when you're sitting at the water and they're singing some emotional song. And that's when you go and refill your popcorn because you're like, blah, it's the whatever song. There are none of those in Aladdin. No. And even if there are, like, they're still so good that you stick around and know every word to them. Like, the (laughs) even the guard song at the beginning, like, I can sing the guard song part and I can sing the Aladdin part because they're all amazing. (sighs) Yeah, and I, you're, you're so right about the lines too. Like, you really don't understand how much you watched it as a kid until you rewatch it as an adult and how much those lines are ingrained in your mind. And, and I think... Adam will probably disagree here, but that's again, part of the reason why I didn't like the live action remake, because I could still quote the same lines from the animated film in the live action film. Uh I feel like I shouldn't be able to quote someone's line before I've ever heard it for the first time. Cause I feel like that's just odd. Anyway, I digress, but (laughs) the animated, the songs are just incredible. And like you said, Robin Williams did that so amazingly and you're right I think he was kind of set up for failure Will Smith because it is like a hole that no one is ever going to be able to fill but I also feel bad because I feel like they didn't give him a chance to be really Will Smith about it Uh like I think they did also try to fit him into a box and I think he could have brought a little more Will Smith to it that he didn't which I think that's a little bit disappointing but anyway I'm getting too much into live action (laughs) The animated is just the voices are so great and they're not even that popular like with the exception of robin williams like they're not super huge names they like i'm not saying that they're not big enough names but they're not huge but they're so perfect mm-hmm. for every single role um yeah it's a good one it's a classic it's part of like that perfect like 10 movies in the early 90s and aladdin is 100 percent one of them I did have a note here too that there's a lot of praise Allah that unfortunately maybe has a different feel nowadays. Yes. Which, Especially you know, coming from the white sultan. Yeah. So again, maybe that warning at the beginning of Aladdin is not, uh, you know. I do have a question for you. Thoughts though. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on the animated Aladdin timeline? Like when, when do you think Aladdin takes place in the animated version? <sighs> I don't even think I can answer this. Like, I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea because if it's more modern than I think it is, then it's just super stereotypical. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean, you probably have a better history idea than I do. Not necessarily. I just think it's like you said. You think about all those references that you didn't get as a kid. Mm-hmm. Fair. You get them as an adult, but then you start to think like, why is Jeannie referencing oh, Jack yeah, Nicholson? Good, good point. Exactly. Yeah. How would a lot he of... know who Jack Nicholson is at that point? Man, you know. Are you, are you saying that like, is there a world where Aladdin takes place in like the like 90s, the like the distant, time that the movie came out? In either the time the movie came out or in the way, way, way distant future, and he's referencing like super old things that no one would ever have known at the time. It, it like. I don't know. That's crazy. Right? Is it now? And they're in like some weird, like they're in Ali Ababwa <laughs> that doesn't exist on the maps. And maybe that's why you can make all those references in the 90s. Yeah. Or is it like thousands of years in the future and we're all like coming back 
And Genie can make those references because he's been in there for 10,000 years. And that happened 10,000 years ago. Just saying. Uh, it's not. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's terrifying now that I think about that, actually. It's, it's freaking me out. Uh, Adam, when do you think the Aladdin movie takes place? <laughs> yeah, I never thought of that perspective of the timeline of the, the humor. I just assumed that Genie was a character for the adult that drove Aladdin with like that slight back backhand upside the head to point him in the right direction as he needed to be moved along. Mm-hmm. And it really was the one of the first, I think, and probably most prolific adult elements added inside of a film to make it truly for the whole family. I mean, Disney had claimed previously to do like, the whole family experience. This really did. It gave you multiple characters that different members of the family could find relatable or tie them into. Genie was done in such a way to tie in the moms and dads who really weren't taking part uh, with their kids in these experiences. So they really went at this from multiple angles and the freedom they gave the genie. So I, so I saw it from that perspective, thinking of the timeline for it. It's a neat reference point, the idea that thousands of years in the future, and that's the whole concept. I, I figured the genie had the ability to be anywhere, go any, any time that. And I mean, who knows? Maybe that's that's the aspect of it all, the angle. I love the mystery to it, though, putting that question into play. Mm-hmm. And what about the movie in general? Are you, uh, are you a fan of the animated Aladdin? Yeah, I love the cartoon. I mean, yeah, all the white people are a bit of an issue, but the cartoon was, uh, at the time, it wasn't an issue, right? Like, it, it, was, it was how... It, by well, no it wasn't means, us. By, by no, no means by saying that's right, people, before you get angry with me. What I'm saying was it was just commonplace and did it need to change? Absolutely. And I think that's something they did really good with the live action, although that might be the only thing they did with the live action. But uh, with that <laughs> intent, it's horrible. Um, so <laughs> with that being said, um, but itself, the film, I mean, maybe there's space for Disney to retcon this one a little bit to be more appropriate and culturally sensitive and, and, and you know adjust this one. And then leave the genie and, and adjust all the pieces that you really uh, whitewashed. And, and maybe that's the better film. Maybe that's where you can, you know, you can adjust for modern times and, you know, put something in the vault you can be proud of. And then that live action one could, you know, disappear completely. Well, sp- speaking of that, we might as well move right into that. Uh, you're, you clearly aren't a fan of the live action uh, Aladdin movie, I take it. Who was? I haven't met that person yet. I bet you Jaded Pig and Smith picked the phone up and said to Will, what the fuck? Seriously? <laughs> like, I know you had to try. You went out in a limb. And I'll give Will Smith tons of credit. He tried to make his own version of the genie, which, I mean, shoes to fill. And I, I said this to you, Matt. Take Robin Williams and his experience and, like, what, the extra 20 hours of footage he created or something just on, like, complete ad-libbing. Like just take all that out of the equation, and say, okay, we, we, we have to do, we have to have a new gene. There's no way around it. So this is what we're getting, and give him the freedom to be creative. And I thought Will actually did a decent job. If you don't directly compare him to Robin Williams, give him his own space. He actually may have been one of more of the strength in the film, because the two leads didn't want to be there. They clearly were tricked into the film. Didn't know what it was. And then partway through the film realized where they were and then were upset about it because they didn't want to be there. And that, and I, I mean, I went and looked them up for in other films to see if I could watch them in something else, but there wasn't much by the way. No. Um, 
And so I get that, but these need to be really important characters. I mean, Jasmine needs to be, she was one of the first real strong independent Disney princesses who made, this is a very significant princess. And she was just disinterested at best, right? Aladdin really was a, was, how do they say that? Treasury character? I mean, the monkey was more interesting. Tertiary? Yeah, the monkey was way more interesting at this point. Like, he was more functional, always was in the cartoon anyways, but that was comedy. In this, the monkey was literally carrying a lap. That's a problem, because <laughs> the monkey didn't have a line. So that's a problem. Uh, I think Jasmine had moments where it was there and it wasn't there. Uh, am I wrong? Uh, what was the extra half hour between the cartoon and the live action? It wasn't just Will Smith. There was an extra half hour. Well, I have notes about this because I said this movie did not need to be over two hours long. And then my last note was, how are we at the end with 19 minutes left? And then it was followed by, oh, because there's 15 minutes of credits. Yep. Yeah. Because it's just it's just a music video essentially at the end. So I think that yep. also added to it a lot. Good, good point. I mean, my brain was melting by that point. I felt like this was the... If this was an Iron Man triathlon, this was the run portion across the volcanic ash. This was the tough part. This is where I would have quit um, all by, by all me measure of merit or not start for that matter. If this was the front, um, this this was uh, it was just that you know the cartoon was good. The cartoon was really good, and I'm I'm really severing out Robin Williams. I'm just thinking that as a unique special unicorn thing. I'm taking it out of the equation because it's not fair. Even with that out of the equation, it's still the cartoon surpassed by all expectations. Yeah. Um, I mean, I pretty much agree with all your points. I am. I was upset and surprised and a little saddened when I realized it was Guy Ritchie that did this movie. Same. And I mean, Guy Ritchie, for a while he was pretty much bulletproof, but he's made some absolute trash. So it's fair. But what this, this made sense because it was Guy Ritchie. This is Wait, not you... his. This is not his thing at all. Oh, okay, you gave him something and said, "Look, I want you to um, have a finger trap war with me, but I'm cutting all your fingers off." It's like you told Guy Ritchie we're going to give you this thing, we're going to do a product, but by the way, you're going to work with a product you should not handle. You should have nothing to do with a children's property. It really isn't your thing. And so the, let's give you a children's there? property and tell you you got to stick close to the base model and good luck. Oh, and you can't have anything like Robin Williams, but try to make it the same. Good luck. Yeah. Also like, yeah, you, you can't, it's, this is for children. So you can't be doing a gangster movie or whatever you were planning on doing. 50% like he's probably looking like, well, where does Charlie Hunnam fit? I, where do I put Charlie? Where Jason... was Charlie Hunnam? Yeah. That would have been a much better choice in this film. I'm sorry. Where, where, where's Jason Statham? Can I put him in here somewhere? Because I feel like I need him. You, how you, many you, how you many F words him. can I fit in the script? No, none. None. Not at all. None. None. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I agree with most of it. I, I have do have a couple things like I, I was telling Katie before. I do find the one, I think it's just the one new song that they added. Um. It real that Jasmine sings. It really yeah. stands out as different. It doesn't feel like a quote Disney song. It's very much a pop song, which I think maybe Christina Aguilera wrote. I think or something like that, or had something to do with. But her song, it stands out. It doesn't fit in with the music. I think the versions of all the songs from the animated are much better in the animated than they are in the live action. Right. I don't know why. It just doesn't it doesn't sound right to me. 
agree. It's because they're trying to make Will Smith sing. This is, mm. I think, the biggest fault, too. Like, I'm not saying you needed to rap every single <laughs> song in this live action, but I feel like trying to make him sing in the same tune as the animated one was not working. With him, like, randomly throwing in a, hey, ho, you, hey. Like, that wasn't differing the song enough, in my opinion. Yeah, I didn't hear any Philly, L.A. <laughs> no, I I, Miami. Parents just don't understand. You know what? Exactly. You know what would save that? Is if on one of the elephants, it was DJ Jazzy Jeff, like driving the elephant. If, if Actually, that's a really good point because DJ deck? Jazzy Jeff would fit in that movie. Like, why not? That'd be why perfect. If that was just character anyway. Yeah. And then they slid that in. And then if one of the flag bearers was Alfonso R- Ribeiro doing his dance on the way that. through, I would have liked this film. Yep. I would have lived with that one. You I know what? Saved it. They tried to make it their own. They tried. And they tried harder. They tried hard enough to play on the things that would work for me, and they tried. But uh, they didn't do those things, and that would help. Mm-hmm. Genie oh. just comes up to Aladdin. He's like, why don't he love me, Aladdin? And he just cries. And then the movie's over. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My, 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 I, I felt like it already the, the fate, the floating head of Uncle Phil at the end or something. Like it was his dad. Yes. Like oh. something like that would have been cool. Like the original Genie's dad. Like there's, there's a spinoff. Um, I want to point out, that Naomi, I, I had to look this up. They made a note. I put down, look up Scott, Jasmine. I think. Yeah, Naomi Scott. Look at, look up Jasmine's movies. Enough said. Power that, Rangers. Yes. That's the only thing I, other, no, no. I know. From- and, and the new remake of Charlie's Angels. Oh, that's right. She's Her career that? has been designed to take on remake. She's done. I feel so sorry for this kid. because She's done. Because I think, I think that's not going to help you at all. So, no. anyways. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my other, I only have a couple more notes for this one. Like I have here, it says, just when I thought we had avoided the old guy marrying the young girl trope, uh, they still did the Jafar thing, which I really thought they weren't going to do, but they did. Uh, when he becomes genie, it looks absolutely terrible. It's like Van Helsing level CG bad. Like it just looks awful. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I really didn't have a lot of notes about this one. It's... Um, the, the stuff about Jasmine being all into maps and geography and that being like a 10 minute detour to determine that Aladdin is lying. Like it seems like such a long way to get to something that didn't need to happen. So yeah, yeah. whatever. That was horrible. Yeah. By the way, that was like, so, you, you, the problem was they didn't know how to make us believe that she was strong in an animated way. They, they were able to make us understand her independence and strength. And this is like, they need to justify it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that sucked because the cartoon never did any of that. I couldn't tell if she could read or write in the cartoon. They never, never talked about that whatsoever. But she was an incredibly strong-willed character. Mm-hmm. And it just goes back to the the acting, the directing, all that of live action. This is where things can fall off. Where you, you don't necessarily get that wrong with a cartoon. You get a million cells to do over and over again to get it how you want. This is where I think, I mean, I'm giving part of Katie's argument, the cartoons, the originals get a lot of, got an opportunity to be strong because they can revisit it a million times and make tweaks and adjustments. Reshoots with live people, you don't get that bandwidth and you're stuck with the capacity of the actor or actress and what they can do and deliver to that character. So you're always mm-hmm. going to be confined in that. And I'm not saying Naomi Scott's a bad actress. I'm just saying in terms of trying to take Jasmine up a level in a live action. They, they tried to put content there for her to take it up a level, but I think inherently that content didn't bring it up. Maybe they should have relied more into 
some other form for her to bring that character up. I don't know what it would be, but map reading was not it. Mm-mm. Yeah, it just, I don't know, the live action just didn't have that spark, I think, that the animated one have. I don't know what it is. It just, I don't, I can't see myself watching it again. I just don't think that's, I'm going to have that draw oh, whatsoever. No, 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 never. Twice was enough. Yeah. <laughs> see, that's, that's twice? Jesus, two times I, more than I've seen. No. I feel sorry for you. <laughs> So let's move on to our last uh, pairing. Oh, this, have, I like uh, this. this was we have Mulan. Yeah. Katie, you want to start with the animated? With the animated. Oh, gosh. Again, the songs are surprise hits in this film. They have a lot of, like we said, tertiary characters who are singing songs. And again, I know every word to all of those songs. And I think that's a rare bird with a lot of animated films. <sighs> I I personally found Mulan as a young girl so appealing. Like, I know that there is still a lot wrong with the film when you look at it again from today's lens. Oh, there was no warning on this one. It's fine. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> There's nothing to be concerned about at all. It's a perfect yeah. film. Stands up to, day, to today's standards completely. Mm-hmm. But as a young girl, like, I thought Mulan was so interesting and I thought the idea of Mulan was so interesting. And I know that that it now pales in compar- comparison to a lot of other characters and a lot of other things that studios have put out in the world. Um, but at the time, I thought she was so important and so vastly different than ev- anything that Disney had been putting out at the time. Um, but also kept me entertained with songs, which I thought was really interesting. Also, I loved that this film did finally take itself seriously when they did start to fight and go to war. Like once they hit that village and you see what happens, songs stop. The movie gets very serious. And I do really like and appreciate the fact that they didn't try to stuff another like Eddie Murphy character funny moment in there. Like it did start to take itself quite seriously at that point, which again, I think was very different for the animated films of the time. Um, which I really enjoyed for that movie. Adam? I loved this. I actually, yeah, I hadn't watched this cartoon up until... You hadn't seen it? This was the one, this was the one I would say that I had no experience with. Uh, My kids both told me they loved this film. Both my daughters always loved it. Um, Yeah, I really, really appreciated it. Um, And to be fair... Because I hadn't watched this one, I actually watched the live action first. Because it, with all the other ones, I, we would we grow up with the cartoons. So live action was later. So I thought I would just try to flip it on its head for a moment to see if that made a difference. I think it did. Like, I don't I don't have any disrespect. I, have, I very much struggle um, to put anything negative into the cartoon. Because when, I, when the songs arrived in terms of the cartoon, spoiler, there's not songs in so what you think about like how they did this one to stick to Disney tradition, but at the same time, when you look at how they tried to break tradition and respecting it was done like what, 98. Um, I really liked it. It was a really, really well done cartoon, perfectly done at that time. I can see why the impact of this was so big at the time. I love the difference of the, the princess and I can see why my kids definitely liked her more. Uh, and I do that picked up on that point too, is kind of like when they shifted from traditional Disney cartoon uh, past that village it shifted to this new conversation where we're taking things a little more serious, a little more adult. And it was a maturation of the character, right? Like the reality of you went to play, but now you need to, you know, step up. And, and then of course she rises to the challenge as a true princess would. And 
it's a whole new form of that. And I really liked that. I really, really thought it was well done. And I'm, I also had not seen it. Uh, so this is my first time. Uh, I did check this one on IMDb when I didn't see the warning just to see. And I do see that the representation was much better uh, than it had been on Aladdin. So that's good. We were making progress. Uh, I believe most of the characters, and yes, I know there's some exceptions, especially the singing voices of some of the characters. Donnie. Uh, yeah, Donnie Osmond of it all. Uh, I love that. I, but um, I think to start with, like the animation style I thought was actually quite interesting. It's kind of the Disney style, but there's a lot more like sharper uh, angles and watercolors and stuff. I think to give it that like, that distinct look of the, of the, I guess of the time and, and, and the location. Uh, we again have another Disney princess on the auction block. I don't know what it is with these princesses. They're always just getting married off or trying to get married off. Maybe that was just, that's a princess thing. I don't know. Uh, but what I really, really, what struck me about this one right off the bat was the, the score of this one. And I, again, I'd never seen it. I'm like, this music is just awesome it's very epic and it was like conan the barbarian or like it was like and i'm like who did this music and i looked it up and it's one of the few times that disney didn't use one of the regulars they used jerry goldsmith who did first blood he did like a lot of the 70s and 80s action movies and 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 horror movies and stuff so it's perfect it's such a it's a very it's a mature sounding score, kind of a darker score. It's definitely one I would love to own because I just think it's, it's, it's so not your standard Disney music. And because I think of his influence on the music, I find the songs are really catchy in a different way. Um, I've got one here written down. Where was it? Uh, I'll get to it. Cause I'm not going to find it. Uh, I also did not know that Eddie Murphy was in this movie for really? some bizarre reason. And he actually wasn't because Eddie Murphy can be over the top to a annoying degree sometimes, depending on what he's doing. I thought he was actually pretty reserved enough that it wasn't didn't take from it. Um, but but the voice cast, like, uh, you know, he's in it. Uh, George Takai is in it. Um, the guy, I did not write his name down, so I'm a terrible person. But the guy that plays Mr. Takagi in Die Hard uh, is the general. Uh, his son is B.D. Wong. Uh, uh, James Hong is in this movie. Uh, so some really um, iconic uh, Asian actors that are getting, and again, the representation, again, except for the singing voices where apparently it was Donny Osmond and a woman I cannot think of her name at the moment. Um, oh, go on. No, I was going to say, but funnily enough, Jackie Chan obviously does the dubbing for most of the Asian countries. He also does the singing, but he's actually like Disney's go-to for any dubbing and singing. So if you look at any dubbed, I learned this from a friend of mine who watches, who watched all of his Disney movies in Mandarin and Cantonese. They're Jackie Chan singing and, and doing the voice work in both, which I kind of love. Jackie Chan is just rich beyond my wildest. Oh my gosh. He's Disney's go-to man for singing and voice work in any dubbing, which I love side note. The um, the one I was thinking of that that really uh, caught me at the beginning was the um, the the becoming a warrior uh, montage and that song. I I don't know. I just from there on I was hooked. Uh, so that was great. This one's very in contrast to Aladdin, a very two D animated movie. There's from what I could see, no. 
obvious CG uh, backgrounds or special effects, a lot of 2D painted watercolors, that sort of thing, which I think was a really good choice. Um, the burned out town was a real bummer, according to Matt from when he wrote these notes. I also have a note here. I watched this on Disney Plus uh, in the it was 4K, and it uh, it looks phenomenal. Like this is a really really good looking movie, and they uh, Disney does, has done a really good job of restoring their movies to the latest formats. Not George Lucasing them, but just making them really sharp and good looking. The colors are great. So this one was really good looking. And then the fact that this was a martial arts movie that was Disney, and I do not know how I didn't get into this movie at a, at, at an earlier time because it seems like a no brainer for me. Uh, I love that the villain was killed by fireworks. That was awesome. Uh, and then my last note was, that it's kind of morbid that one of the guardians has been beheaded. Uh, if you really think about that <laughs> it's and true. how that happened. So yeah, all in all, I think out of all of them, the Mulan movie was the surprise for me. Like it, I liked that one a lot, a lot more than I was expecting which is probably not fair, but I, I don't know. I just, it was, it was great. I could definitely watch that one again for sure. But it's, it's a good play on the evolution of the Disney story. Cause it was the newest one that was made and their willingness to take chances and go new directions and take, you know, classic elements of the, you know, the princess who finds herself, but that meant so much more in this film, in this context than the princess who finds herself when some dude kisses her cheek. Like, you know, so it's, They've really grown in like, what was it, 50 years between the films almost? Like 40, mm-hmm. 50 years? Mm-hmm. So it, that that evolution is wonderful that they did that. Um, yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I don't know. I have a different context though because of the, the whole live action. I just, I'm... Yeah, we might as well get that out of the way first. Because and, and you, you mentioned something a few minutes ago, and I do think it, it probably plays into it. The fact that you watched the live action one first... Yeah. I think that made a more of a difference than you might even know. Yes. I think. No, no, it, it, wrong. it does because there's certain things that people called out between if you if you happen to read any reviews that were comparing the two films together, because this one I did dig a little more into. And of course like they, they cry out that there's no Eddie Murphy. You know, there's no there's no Mushu Bakir. I'm okay with that. It worked without it, actually. Like the what they did live action worked without it. Cricket being not a cricket. It's actually a character this time, right? You didn't have, you didn't, the element of like not having her little brother, I didn't matter to me at all. This whole, I don't know, the, the key, the the force, okay, for lack of better terms, right? No, like, no, <laughs> I have notes for that because I, my lo- note literally says, is Mulan a Jedi and does she have the force? Look, because it is played hold on, hold for on. that exactly. I'm not sure if it's the force or are they sorcerers and they're going to go to Hogwarts because there's also a lot of shape shifting going on there with the, the witch too. But, yeah. but. But Chinese culture, you know, there is a lot of conversation around spirits and transform. It, it, it is. A, it probably, and, and we know they have superpowers. And, and yeah, to be fair, a lot of know. these conversations have lasted in their his stories and historical, you know, sure. way longer. So for me, I, I actually felt it more acceptable that this was the story like it lived there. And I was perfectly fine with that. I just know there's, there's so much more rich culture conversation that happens around this. So I, I thought it all fit. Now, the only part that I kind of, in retrospect, and I did get this from reading a little bit, and I had to sit back and think, do I agree or disagree? I think the one thing the cartoon did better was her arc of, hey, 
I'm at zero. Like I got nothing. Like when she's in the the camp and becoming has to become one of those, she really has to push herself. Like GI GI Jane style. Like she's got to get this shit shaved head go. Like she's got to do this right. Whereas in the live action, it's kind of like I got this. I don't even need to cut my hair. Like I'm not worried about it. The worst thing I did was not wash, and and that was funny how they did that, and I thought it was funny because it was an effort to maintain the identity. And in a live action, she would have to go a lot further. And because everyone had hair, like it was a commonplace thing for men and women to have you know, lengthy hair, they were able to not have to adjust that element of it all. So I saw all that. I don't know. I liked how the Phoenix element was brought into the storyline, the, the, the slight ma- the magic that was, you know, for lack of better terms, that Disney wanted to have in there was in there. I thought it was a really good movie as a standalone, just a good movie to watch through. Um, my kids commented that because they hadn't seen the cartoon. They, they liked it. They still like the cartoon better. Um, but, but I can see how this stands alone on its own. And I can see that based on the three of them, I feel like, although there's maybe some key things we can say that were deviating from the cartoon, I feel like it didn't deviate nearly as far as the others did. And and I mean, I know there's a couple characters in there you pulled out and you added a witch. I get that. But I think Mm -hmm. the witch worked in, in terms of justifying this whole arc because you gave her this power thing. So you, you had to balance the other side of the equation out. Otherwise, why'd she even bother going to the war? She just could have done everything on her own. So you had to, to balance out the yin and the yang aspect of things there. Um, but anyways, I don't know. I, I do think there's bias. And I think that maybe that is exposing bias in this whole process for us is the one you watch first might kind of create bias. Fair. Katie, counterpoint. <laughs> I, yeah, I, the animated is by far superior. I will say I, I understood the choice of trying to add the witch as a character to, to enrich the story and to add the arc and to further her storyline. But I really hated how they like, it seemed as though she shoved that feminist like message down your throat unnecessarily. Like I really don't think this witch needed to have an epiphany at the end that like, I'm a woman actually, and I can stand up to the rest of you. Thanks Mulan for teaching me that. Like I, I really didn't think it needed to be so blatantly shoved in our face that way. I think they could have done her character a little bit better instead of having her almost say that line verbatim at the end. Um, I really didn't appreciate that at all. I also think, like you said, they took way too much exactly from the animated film. And then again, just like sprinkled in just enough that they think it's different. And again, I wish they would have stuck way more to the original animated story. And I think I probably would have liked it a little bit better had they stuck more to the original story. I think they ventured in ways that just were unnecessary to venture and just in ways that were just, I thought, odd. Like, think about the song Reflections. Let's take that, for example. Christina Aguilar did the original, hit that high C. Christina Aguilar did this remake, and now it sounds like a version from Fifty Shades. I'm like, was that necessary? Did we need this version? Did you need to re-sing it in a sultry, like, Fifty Shades way? I don't think you did. I don't think that was necessary. We could have left that in the vault. So it's just like those kind of things that I just think like it's the it's just a slight difference, but it's too much of a slight difference that it just has like given me a bad taste in my mouth about the film. That's fair. I mean, I 
again, I hadn't seen this one and, and maybe I'm colored because I watched the animated one first, but I, I found it's the, the live action just was very in comparison. It just felt dull, I guess it's almost hard because it's kind of going for more of an authentic ish kind of period um, war movie, but then it's completely bloodless, which, okay, understandably, but when you film it, especially like the back half, like you've got what is essentially a 20, 20 to 30 minute battle. And there's, it's so censored because of what it is that it's weird. It's almost, it takes you out of it. It doesn't seem right. It, it's, it's kind of weird that way. It's, it, it's trying to be realistic in a sense, but then it can't be because it's a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And then again, because I actually liked the music in, in the animated that being gone kind of sucked. I, you're right. They didn't show her evolution so much. They kind of gave her, that she had this untapped talent to start with, which fine. Okay. I would have assumed that was to cut down time, but that isn't exactly what happened. Um, yeah, I don't know. They, and they didn't make much of a, a deal of her disguising herself. I had a note about that. I was happy to see Donnie Yen. Cause I will see Donnie Yen in anything. Cause I love Donnie Yen. Um, and he got a little bit of action stuff, which was kind of neat surprisingly considering how bloodless and kind of neutered the movie is, I did think the bathing scene was kind of risque for a Disney movie. I was a little surprised that it even got where it got, which is not much, but it's for what it is. I was just kind of surprised because I thought it would be completely censored. Um, I did, I did look it up because again, I figured Mulan what late teens I think is supposed to be something like that. Uh, the actress is 32 years old or 33 when she filmed this, which I was stunned. I was like, wow. Cause wow. if, I mean, I can't even, I wish I looked that young when I was 32, 33. So that was surprising. Um, I didn't feel any sympathy for the witch character. I really didn't. And it's not so much that I, I, I just didn't feel earned. Like she wasn't, there wasn't enough of an arc for her and she had killed so many people at that point that it just felt kind of unearned on that. Uh, it was nice seeing the Ming-Na cameo uh, at the end where she uh, makes the presentation. Uh, and then to find out that Jet Li was in this movie and I did not recognize him at all. They had, they must've aged him up because the guy looks like he's 12 years old all the time. But that's all I got. I mean, I just, I, I, I think maybe again, because I watched the animated one first. I do think that the live action one is gorgeous. The, the, the landscapes and the, and the, sh- the shots, the money, the budget for that movie is on screen. No doubt about that. It looks great. But it's just, it's, it's like if you saw a, I don't know what to compare it to, like a, 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 a serious, period war movie and then you just stripped out all of the adult content from it being it uh, the consequences of war uh the violence to an extent any that sort of thing this is sort of what you get so it's a weird half middle ground where it's not 
fun, but it's not itching or scratching that itch of, I want a, a violent action war movie, something like that. It, I just found it wasn't hitting anything for me that way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thumbs down for me on Mulan live action. Yeah, I think. I, 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 I don't know. I, I Again, I think maybe Adam's kind of biased because the the order he watched these movies in maybe but fair i think too there's something to be said about animated films being able to get away with a lot more because there's the fantasy that it is an animated film right so we can suspend belief that this might not be taking place in real life or if it's taking from real life but you know you have some magic in there or something else like you're not really thinking twice about it whereas Mm -hmm. in this one like you said and even like adam said there's elements of real life and, and and storytelling to that culture, but then they're also adding things that are make it hard to suspend, you know, your your belief in what's actually happening at that time, like, and that dichotomy of the two makes it really tough. Like, I can't see a sorcerer doing magic and then like them trying to be very uh, accurate to the period. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just hard for me personally to suspend the belief. Whereas in the animated film, you don't think about it twice because it's an animated film and you can get away with a lot because it's fantasy already because it's animated. Yeah. And right from the get go in the animated one, you've got um, the, you've got the dragon, you've got the, the, the ancestors, the spirits. So right from the get go, it's laid mm-hmm. out as, as being not of the real world per se. Exactly. So so I think we're kind of split on uh, on that one. I think if I'm to look back at my notes here, I think really the only ones we really agreed on was the live action Aladdin is garbage. Uh, the live or the animated Aladdin is great, and great. I think we both liked we all liked the Mulan animated. Yeah, and I think it's sort of a split for the rest of them. I think. Yeah, I have thoughts. I know, Katie. I, I suspect you're not the world's biggest fan of these live action adaptations. Not so much. And I, and I feel like Disney is trying to take a modern swing at some of their original content, particularly for some of the reasons that we've kind of highlighted. You know, they're certainly outdated in some of their stories, and what was once timeless seems to be coming up against a bit of a societal shift where timeless isn't necessarily uh, people embracing timeless anymore. So. There's two ways to address it. Um, and I think this is a, an avenue of trying that. Do I think it's the best? Not necessarily. But I think there's lots of room for it. They have all the money. So it creates a lot of work for a lot of people. So I'm like, give it a go. Um, I like the idea. Out of these these three live action films, the one I was the most excited for truly was Maleficent. Because, I'm, hey, you're going to give me something new. You can do something different. You're going to give me the story arc from the villain. And you're going to do live action. So the expectation is a little bit darker. The expectation is it to be a little bit more, yeah, this is like, you know, not your mom's Maleficent. Like it's supposed to be something, and, and you you struggled with that. But the idea of potentially doing Ursula, and I know Cruella, I haven't watched it, but I've heard amazing things. And I don't know if that's necessarily true or not yet, but maybe there is some sort of recipe with doing this um you know, the evil villain, you know, antagonist of the, the, the whole story arcs. Maybe it works. I'm not the big keener on let's give them a soft heart, but I mean, Ursula Sea Witch, I have high expectations for just evil all the way through from the get-go. 
but I think that'll work. And I hope, I hope that they head down this path and keep doing it. I think there's a opportunity to do things differently and give a modern lens on some pieces. And, you know, if that's a way to support the previous work in a way that doesn't, you know, rip it apart at this era right now where people really want to take the past and call it out and then, you know, try to erase it in some respect or, or I don't know how you want to put it, like cancel culture, how you want to phrase it. Um, and I think it's justifiable in many cases, but Disney cartoons, I think it's, they're, they're moments in time and they may not be the best and reflected today, but most things in history books don't usually shine out too bright when you look at it a hundred years later. They're pretty, pretty horrific in a lot of ways, uh, even just how we live life in general. So anyway, with that being said, I think it's an opportunity for them to play with some of those characters and properties and try to breathe that new life. But I like the different angle approach that that's my excitement is, is give me the different angle approach. And, and let's run with it. Or if you want to go remaster, call John Favreau and do the Lion King and just go frame for frame because that works. It's actually interesting that we're not, I'm, I'm glad that we all have different points of mm-hmm. view because I'm not surprised, but. No, but some of them are quite split and I'm a, a little surprised at how, how split. I, not that we all had differing opinions because that's a, a great thing, but some are quite. I wasn't expecting it to be so polar opposite for some of them. But again, I'm jaded. I love Disney, so I will fight to the death, tooth and nail. What I was getting was the idea of the, the villains, the idea of doing, doing, bringing it back, you know, t- taking those old properties, hitting it with a new angle, giving us stories that bookend either side of the original story, keeping it culturally relevant and modern and, and brushing up. Uh, but there were moments in time. So if you're going to bookend the stories, let's I, we do to modernize when you do adjust angles, but don't try to retcon with those adjustments. I think play around them. That's my my vision. If you want to go hard retcon, go hard retcon, but but step step up and say why you're doing it and do it. You'll have haters and lovers of that idea whatsoever, but go at it. Um, I don't know. I, I'm I'm kind of on a couple fences here with these pieces, but. I like the idea of live action. I think I've always liked it. I've been a fan of, of give me a cartoon, bring it to life. And no, I may hate it, but like many, but I love the idea you're trying. You know, Transformers are a great place. People were divided for a long time. What are we like eight movies in, nine movies in, and now they're bringing the beast ones forward. I, I, I just think the idea is there. I know there's a safe spot in anime. That's <laughs> where they take things a long time to, but I just, I don't know. I think I like the idea of trying it. Um, for those new perspectives. And I think I'm not, I don't think you're wrong that you can try. I think the issue Disney's having now is that they're, they're not trying. They're just doing everything. They're like every single animated film from our childhood is all going to be remade now. Like with no thought process behind which ones maybe should and which Mm one should not. And it may be just personal opinion, but to me, like some of the ones that are, talking animals like you think about the lion king that's partially why i didn't pick it because the lion king to me it works as an animated film because you suspend belief in the fact that it's talking animals and they sing and they have a party in the jungle and like you don't really think twice about it but their cgi is quite great in the live action so it really does look like an actual warthog talking yeah and that is frightening to me like there's (laughs) nothing that brings me no joy You know, I like I just liked how they went frame for frame on that one. They said, look, we're going to make it look real. We're not going to change. We're not going to deviate from the original. 
And it's like, away we go. And I thought to John Favreau, how smart to get handed millions of dollars to say, we're just going to make it look like that one. Like, what? I'm not, I'm not going to do anything but make it look like that one and get some fresh voices in here. And we're good to go. And while I'm doing that, I'm going to go over here and make Spider-Man while I'm doing that. Or I'm going to go over here and make Iron Man while I'm doing that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I just thought it was clever on his part in that respect um, and how they did that. So, I don't know. I, I, I Some of these stories, I want to make sure people see um, the value that, that's in the story. And I think some of the stuff that isn't culturally relevant or isn't modern or maybe is trapped in time that may be slightly inappropriate is going to take people away from the core of what these stories could be. So the idea of getting them, you know, whatever you need to do to get them out for people, I think society needs at, at, at large, the core fundamentals of these stories are needed. So I don't want to lose those. And I want to make sure Disney survives. I do agree with you doing it for the sake of doing it's never a good plan. So did you just say you want to make sure Disney survives? No, I want to make sure you think they're hard up on cash. right? Yeah, I was like, they're doing okay. (laughs) No, no. I want to make sure the messages inside of some of those films survive. As a parent who's had my kids grow up in some of those films, there's been some really key moments that have been Mm -hmm. actually interesting things they've learned from those stories, whether it be written, whether it be film or whatever. And there's a certain magic of film. And we can say what we want about the giant machine that it is. But as we've all bought things off Amazon with no thought process, we're used to contributing to giant machines. So I just think there's there's some value inside of those components, and I just don't want to see them lost. There's a lot of other things they they mess up and create a lot of white noise around with what they do, but some of those fundamental pieces that have been the building blocks for Disney, I think, are really strong, and there is some really good messaging. Look at Fox and the Hound. Like, there's some great things inside of that story for the kids, right? Um, they're really strong. That as a parent, you still can watch and go, yeah, damn, you know what? That's that's a good point. Um, so the, there's elements like that that live within Disney. And I agree, I don't want to lose that with live action, but I also don't want to get trapped in time because we didn't take the effort to 50 years later adjust accordingly mm-hmm. with where we are in the world. And so that's all my thought process is there. But I could never imagine a live action Fox and the Hound. Like I, I love would, it. I would die. I got I a dog downstairs, I could do it. Stop. I, I just would. want somebody wearing a mask, just a human being with a fox mask. That's enough for me. What a oh, nightmare that would be. I, I think that's just a, that's a furry movie, isn't it? Isn't that what they, I don't know. I want Let's to add live, the Fifty Shades Christina song to that one. <laughs> I want to see what the movie rating has to become when they do a live action Bambi. I was going to say see, the same thing. Like, it's scene, basically a hunting scene, movie. Scene for scene, though. So get Favreau to do it. So the opening scene is there's a dead deer. And then, then it goes from there. Uh, well, look, a Disney is always going to need content for Disney+. And... They're not doing, they're not putting the movies away in the vault anymore. So, this is essentially your vault movie, just reissuing a movie as a live action. So, I don't think we're going to see okay, hold on. it go got, away anytime soon. We got Katie, my internet's still working. I got a question. So, mm-hmm. okay, we had Frozen, we've had Moana, and I liked both those. I think they were mm-hmm. quite, quite good for the modern princesses. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what was the spacing between those two films. Oh, like how many years? Four years, oh. maybe. It wasn't a lot. Years? It was like, yeah, it was like five, maybe five or six years. Yep. And then previous to uh, Frozen, our most significant princess may have been Mulan. No, no, there was um, Tangled. Merida from Brave and Tangled. Tangled and Merida. Okay, so here's the thing I'm, I'm trying to look at. Mm-hmm. In the 2000s, it seems to be really that five-year window, right? But previous to that, the window was a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Safe to say. And I'm thinking maybe this is where Disney's messing up. 
in that respect is trying to create too many new princesses put the time in spend the five to ten years to give us that quality character i mean look at uh meridia and look at marina sorry and look at um uh even even tangle i think she wasn't you know, horrible in that respect there's a lot of comedy in that the horse is just fantastic give me give me that live action horse um so <laughs> but you think about that but then you think about uh moana i thought was a good story as well and i, I think that uh and frozen of course is, is just one of those masterpiece ones they fell into but they could have spaced that out like all that stuff's in the works i know i know they don't pull it together in five years i know it's in a timeline thing it's not about money so my thought process you could have spaced that out a little bit better i guess in that respect and in doing so, you're going to give us those quality content pieces that that actually might save you from having to go back and retcon stuff because you're you can show the evolution of the princess, the evolution of the story arc by holding it as the most timeless pieces. And I mean, I'm sure if you're to sit there and write a paper or analyze the arcs and the lessons and the development of those characters, there's probably similarities across all Disney princesses and some of their pieces. But that's actually the recipe, I think that works Mm -hmm. it's just you modernize that tale or you capture it within that that story for sure yeah i think too you're so right because as much as those are all great films they are in such a short period of time and i feel like they're really pumping them out to the point where these last few that they pumped out what was it luca was the most recent raya right yeah like i've i've heard nothing about them i know nothing about them they're actually on disney plus and i've watched neither yeah. And that tells you a lot about where Disney's kind of going in terms of rushing things that I don't even want to jump on the first movie that comes available on Disney Plus, which is so different from how I would have been and used to be. Like even Frozen, because it had been so long since you had a Disney princess. That was huge. I went, I saw that in the theaters 10 times. I loved that movie. It was huge. And then, like you said, they've just been cranking them out that I've started to lose interest in their yeah. new films. And that's a problem. Yeah, and, and I think that's going to be a problem for the younger generation as well. And I don't Absolutely. think Disney has the ability to have the magic, and I'm not playing that on the, the, any pun there, but they have the ability to have the magic to not need to keep shoving content in your face. Agreed. They have so much, all, they have all the content, right? So they can be patient with it, right? Mm-hmm. They make us wait on everything else. Like we think from a Marvel perspective where you've inundated us for what seems like almost 20 years now at this point. Mm-hmm. So you think about the amount of content that you can pump out in different angles. So you can be patient with your princesses mm-hmm. uh, and and go for the richness of that. Like Moana, I wish they would have spaced out a little bit longer. Because I think it was a good quality film. And not, mm-hmm. not just because The Rock was in it. I think it was actually really good in that respect. Yeah, and I think they're getting missed. Like, again, Tangled, I think, is an underrated film completely. And I think because they're all getting butted together so closely, people aren't watching them. People aren't realizing how good those films are. And they're kind of getting pushed aside because something yeah. newer better shinier is coming after the fact like we've already had frozen 2 to try to capture the you know the magic that was frozen and it's unnecessary at this point to already try to jump on frozen 2 like no it's you, un- had we don't need it. you could you could have waited for that one yep right? absolutely yeah. well, i think that's the same thing that you're seeing they're going towards like the netflix problem where netflix puts out what would have been this a big blockbuster in the theater and if you don't watch it in three days, they've already replaced it with the next movie and then the next one and the next one and the next one. So I think Disney getting into that path, it doesn't leave the movies time to breathe. And if there's any company out there that can hold on to the way they did things and not disappoint people, it's Disney with all of their catalog. Mm-hmm. They have that capacity. And there's an expectation where 
we're getting this whole thing of Disney and all these properties that go through from Marvel, Fox, everything that we have this real high end ceiling we expect from their products. So we're not, no one's crying for give it. Yes. We would like more all the time because we love it, but don't jeopardize what you do to appease the masses. Part of the reason why everyone bought your service when you didn't have a full catalog is because we just know it's going to be good. There's an expectation of quality, right? Mm. Stick with the quality, let Netflix and, and Amazon, fight it out and HBO and all those ones fight it out for how fast they can pump stuff out and people can get disinterested with not keeping the attention. Let that become the TikTok or whatever the crap is, right? <laughs> you, you stay, you stay rich in what you're capable of able to do and stay, you know, hold your lane. Cause no one can compete. Like no one can compete. So why act like you are, you want to compete with them. You're in a different echelon. Don't bother. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So as we wrap it up, I've got one question for the both of you. And that is, do you think we will see a return to traditional animation at all? Can they? <sighs> I mean, they got to crack out some old equipment that they don't even have around anymore. Well, I mean, there's animated TV shows, and I know they're not done the same way, but it's not impossible. And it's Disney, so it's not like the resources aren't there. Mm-hmm. It's just, I don't know, do they think it's profitable to go back to traditional animation or do you think it'd have to be like a gimmick like maybe the movie for some reason the movie is tied into the animation style so that's why it's in that way like a roger rabbit thing where they you know it's a traditional thing i think there's still not to say that this will make disney make it but i think there's still a want or craving from a lot of us and people older than us who remember 2d animation and still want that like when the princess and the frog came out i loved it because they Mm -hmm. went back to the original animation style like i'm not saying that all of their movies need to be that way but there is a little bit of nostalgia that comes with the fact of going back to that original animation style and they still use cgi in that film too which was totally fine but yeah, there's something beautiful about that animation style and it just may be too costly and there may not be an outcry from the public to do it. But I think Mm -hmm. there might be those sprinkles because Disney's really great at like, you hit an anniversary, let's drop something, you know, in its original format. Or we're now at the 75th animated film, we're going to make this one a 2D animated film as opposed to, you know, a computer animated film. So I think because they've always... had that type of way of releasing content i think there still will be the odd sprinkle going forward but i think it is going to be much more fewer and far between um just because they're this generation now is so used to computer animation it just makes sense to continue Mm -hmm. this but i think they still will throw in once they hit like some milestones we'll still get the odd hand so i think where this goes with animation will actually cultivate the new um, group or organization that you may head up, Katie, when this is all said and done, which would be the anti-Disney organization. Because what I think they're going to do is they're going to use a bit of a fallback to whatever this modern style, of, like not the frozen Moana look, but, you know, the basically the, the still using computers, but tried to making classic animation look when they go ahead and retcon all of their content. So when they go back and they say to Aladdin, 
well, we need to fix some voices in this one. But while we're doing it, we're going to freshen up the animation. And we're going to redo it frame for frame. Oh my God, they're going to special edition all the Disney movies? No, no, they're not going to special edition. They're just going to be like, look, cancel cultures hit us, and this is how we're going to respond. And I think that's going to be the sequence of events. I think people will, will call out. We'll eventually get to Disney because they've gotten through government. They've gotten through so many other things. They're going to start going to the pop culture and say, hey, you have all the money. There's no reason you shouldn't do this. You can fix this, so go fix it. And they will eventually bow down. Because I think if you look at how they've bowed down, the things they've done so quickly internally of their own response to cancel culture, I think they'll be one of the worst victims to it. In fact, I think they'll be the first doubt. They will fall faster than anything else in terms of that. Uh, just look at Gina Carano. Just look at like how fast they react. They, they, they try to jump the gun so they don't get in the, the, the crosshairs of cancel mm-hmm. culture. So when it arrives on their doorstep, with things like Aladdin and when it arrives on their doorstep with some of the other stuff that's happened with their, their content in the past. And people say enough's enough. We don't want our kids to, to see this 14 year old get, girl get molested in her sleep to be married. Right. Yeah. You know, where ridiculous angle they take, they're going to be like, all right, we're going to give you the new version, the 60 year later appropriate version. And it's like, you know, they do all the things that are going to be in there. That's going to make it weird, but they're going to do it. And they're going to, do it in this new animation style. And that's where Katie's going to take up like the rebellious flag. Yeah, My entire good. body tensed when you said that. I was like, oh, but, but why are you tensed? Because I'm not really that far-fetched on this. This is a potential I'm so thing. glad you've ended this episode <laughs> on a dystopian future. Uh, it only seems fitting. Uh, well, before- uh, you make fun of that all you want. And in 10 years when we're doing an episode going, hey, remember that thing I said about the animation? And like, we're watching it on Disney Plus Plus or whatever they call it at that point in time. I love that it's only one extra plus. Yeah, yeah plus. well, for every company they take over, they add a plus. Add so at that point, they've taken over, like, I don't know, Netflix, maybe, or at this point, HBO or something like that. Yeah. So. Well, let's see uh, if we can wrap this up, and hopefully I'll have enough to piece together for an episode. <laughs> uh, thank you very much, Katie, for joining us. And as a side note, if this doesn't work, we will be talking to you sooner rather than later. Amazing. <laughs> Even if it does work, come talk to me sooner yeah. rather than later. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure something out for sure. Uh, you can obviously follow us on Adam's favorite social media sites, such as uh, what Twitter and Instagram. We're at Happy Zen Podcast. We're still on that hellscape known as Facebook, although we never go there. Uh, I, don't, I don't even have a Facebook account, so I don't know why we're there. You can go to happyzen.com for all the episodes and all the show information. That's a better place to go. Yes. Yeah. That's about it. So uh, we'll say goodbye. Bye. Thanks, Katie. That was awesome. Thanks so much.